Today is a very big day. It's an important day. We've got milestones to touch on. We've got some news swirling, some trade rumors here and about. And then I've got myself some exciting news as well. It's all coming up on this episode of the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Let's go. As always, welcome in on this Friday edition of the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. My name is Kyle Gamard, as always, your host. Uh, feel free to listen in wherever you get your podcasts on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify on social media, Instagram, and Twitter at ST Hockey Podcast. And uh, just a reminder, too, I jumped on with the boys from the Face Off Hockey Podcast from their latest episode. Make sure to go check them out at Face Off Puck Pod on all their socials and on YouTube as well. Coming up a little bit later on tonight, I'm going to be joining Mike Stubbs voice of the London Knights on 980 CFPL News just after 7 o'clock to talk all things news and rumors around the National Hockey League. Now, before we get into everything today, I have some very, very exciting news about myself. I'm going to be teaming up with the Hockey Riders, and I'm going to be covering the Vancouver Canucks moving forward. Uh, I've been in talks with them over the last week or so about, uh, you know, covering a team more closely, getting some in-depth, um, you know, articles and stuff written. And I'm very pleased to announce, I mean, all all things, we're, we're still, you know, ironing out some details in terms of start dates and uh, what the job entails. But I'm going to be uh, linking up with the Hockey Riders to be covering the Vancouver Canucks, but more in information to come soon. Uh, we've got a lot of things to go over today on the podcast. We've got to talk a milestone in D.C. We're going to have to talk about the Vancouver Canucks as well. And we got to talk some COVID restrictions, some trade rumors. And I, I do want to go over some uh, some standings right now. We're about 10, 11 games in for the majority of teams. So they're hitting that double digit mark. We're going to go over some surprises, some disappointments, where teams stand, what teams can make up ground. Uh, we're going to have all of that moving forward. But I, I do want to start with this story. Because sometimes when greatness is in front of us, I don't think we understand the magnitude or the importance or how rare it is when we see milestones like these come about. And Alexander Ovechkin last night took sole possession of seventh on the NHL's all-times goal list with goal number 709 against the New York Rangers in a 4-2 loss. This is, I mean, it is absolutely incredible. It's Ovechkin's third game of the season through seven games. If you remember, he was put on the COVID-19 uh, list after unfortunately going out with a couple of his teammates and, and, and you know, risking, uh, you know, the health and safety of his other teammates. He said he took it upon himself. He took it personally. He was going to learn and reflect from it. So uh, uh, knowing, I mean, basically what we've seen from Ovechkin, you know, he's not the 25-year-old kid that's going to do that anymore. It looks like that he is going to learn from it. But uh, we need to understand the milestone that Alexander Ovechkin hit and the level of difficulty and the amount of hurdles that have been put in this man's way to get to 709 7th all time. He's already been shortened this year in terms of a season dropping from 82 to 56 games. He lost another few games while being put on the COVID-19 list. Now, mind you, maybe a little bit that has to do with him and his choices, Absolutely. Before he even began his NHL career, the initial season he was going to be playing in, that season was in a lockdown. So he missed an entire year when he was 18. Now, a lot of people will say that might have benefited him moving forward, but sure, 
but maybe he would have played in that year. And his rookie season, as we all know, he scored 56 goals. But maybe, let's just for fun say he gets another 20 in his rookie year, a year younger. We have to remember in the 20, I believe it was 2012 or 2013 season, there was another shortened season in terms of a lockout in which he played, I believe it was only like a 40 or 50 game season as well, which cut into his goal scoring possibilities. And he was still able to score like 32 that year. The numbers for Alexander Ovechkin are astounding. Absolutely astounding. When you look at them, and like I said, all of the obstacles that he has had to face. His stats are its ridiculous. And these stats are provided, by the way, by uh, Hockey Reference. In no season has Alex Ovechkin scored fewer than 32 goals. That might happen this year. But in the lockout-shortened season in 2012-2013, where he was reduced to 48 games, he scored 32 goals. He had his quote-unquote lull from 2010 to 2013, where he scored 32, 38, and 32 goals. Outside of those three seasons, and as one year in 2016, he has yet to score under 40 goals. I j- Think about that for a second. Through all the years that Alexander Ovechkin has been playing in, through 16 seasons, he has scored less than 40 goals three times. He has scored 50 or more goals in eight seasons. Not to mention... He has had years of 46 goals, 49, and 48 goals. Very possibly could have reached 50. And last year, he did that in only 68 games. So last year, he was probably going to hit 50 as well. The fact that last year's season was shortened, this year's season was shortened, 2012-2013 was shortened, and he missed out on his rookie year that would have been 0405. The fact that he sits seventh all-time and just eight goals behind Phil Esposito for six all-time is astounding. It is absolutely astounding. There's everybody talking right now in the National Football League, right? Tom Brady is going to his 10th, 10th Super Bowl appearance. Outside of the New England Patriots, Tom Brady has more Super Bowl appearances than every other team in the National Football League. I'm pretty sure that's the stat. It's it's ludicrous. So for Alex Ovechkin to have missed out on so many games, so many opportunities, so many other chances to score five goals here, 10 goals there, 20 goals possibly in his rookie year. And, and when you look at his numbers, 20 goals is very achievable. He was playing in, 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 in the KHL's Dynamo Moscow with men when he was 16, 17 years old. He could have hit 20 in his a year earlier. Now, maybe it helped his development a little bit, and he wouldn't have gotten to this point. But I got to tell you, he has dealt with enough uh, criticism. He was dealt with uh, enough obstacles and things that he had to overcome in his lifetime that I don't think playing a year younger in the NHL would have deferred him from another 20 goals. So right now, let's just say Alex Ovechkin doesn't score another goal this year 
He is at 709, and Gretzky is at 894. He is 185 goals away from hitting Gretzky. And yes, we're talking about this. I've been talking about this for years. I have been talking about it since he was 30, 31, even younger. Back when everybody thought it was literally impossible. If Ovechkin does not score another goal this year, and he says he wants to play another three, four seasons in Washington, let's just say it's four, because he's 35, four more years will take him until he's about 40 years of age, because he'll be 36 by the time next season starts. To catch Gretzky, he would have to average 46 goals per season. Either 46 or 47. That's 46.25, can't score a quarter of a goal. But that's if he doesn't score again this year. What if he scores another five goals? All right, then he's 180 goals away. He would have to average 45 goals a year. Well, he could he could very well score 10. All right, let's see 10. If he scores 10 more goals this year, and by the way, he, I mean, 10 goals, I think mean, he's got like 40 games or something to do it in. 10 goals in 40 games, which for Ovechkin is unbelievably achievable. Over the next four seasons, he'll need to average 43 goals a year. You may think it's crazy. You may think it's not possible. But we all thought last year, last year alone, he was going to score 50 until the pandemic hit. But I think we can all say this with absolute certainty now. Is when his NHL career is done, Alexander Ovechkin will be just the third player in NHL history to hit 800 goals. And in my opinion, is a slam dunk guarantee to sit at least second all time among the NHL goals leaders. Number two right now is Gordie Howe at 801, meaning Ovechkin is less than 100 goals away from catching Gordie Howe. In fact, he's only 92 away. We need to appreciate greatness It's easy to appreciate greatness once it's gone because you can look back at all the numbers and reminisce, but learn how to appreciate greatness once it's happening. Listen, I'm not the biggest fan of Tom Brady, but I'm appreciating his greatness. I'm appreciating the fact that the standard he has set to even try to remotely being put in the greatest of all time conversation, the bar is miles and miles higher than anyone else's set. We're watching greatness right now from Alexander Ovechkin. And we need to appreciate it and enjoy every, every moment. Who knows how many goals Ovechkin scores this year? He could be sitting fifth all time by the year's done. He's at 709 now. His next guy to catch is Phyllis Pizzito at 717. That's only eight goals away. He'll do that. And then Marcel Dion sitting at 731, which is 22 goals away. He could score 22 goals in 40 games. That's very doable for Alexander Ovechkin based on his career numbers. And then after that is Brett Hall, Yarmir Yager, and then Gordie Howe. 
followed by Wayne Gretzky. I just, I had to put it into perspective to just how incredible this man is. Lockout shortened season, lockout in his rookie year, pandemic, shortening last year and part of this year. He's missed games due to due to COVID-19. He's missed very few games due to injury, which is extremely lucky. Multiple coaches, criticism about back-checking, doesn't matter. In my opinion, even if he doesn't catch Wayne Gretzky, he's the greatest goal scorer of all time. In an era where goal scoring is unbelievably, significantly more difficult to come by than when Gretzky played in the 80s, 70s, He'll be he'll be hands down the greatest goal scorer of all time. And for me, it's it's not even close. Uh, let's move on here to talk about another story. And I talked about this you know, at the very beginning that I'm going to be joining the hockey writers and covering the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, more details on that are coming, but I'm very, very, very excited about that and getting an opportunity to kind of follow Vancouver a little bit more closely. And I've talked about Vancouver a few times on this podcast. So the Vancouver Canucks last night lost their third straight and decisive game, this one coming at the hands of the Toronto Maple Leafs, a 7-3 decision. Now, the game was close, right? Vancouver made it 3-2 to cut in Toronto's 3-1 lead, and then Toronto exploded, scoring three straight goals. It was 6-2 before you know it, and in the game at that point was just a wash. And it was a very confusing offseason for them, and a lot of people have them pegged to, to be in a playoff position. You know, but I remember, they didn't have the greatest offseason, Yes, Thatcher Demko played very well this past postseason, and you've got Braden Holpe kind of as your one-two punch, and it's, it's very solid, but you lost a guy who, you know, arguably put himself in a conversation as not just a top 10, but a top five goaltender in the NHL. You could at least have that conversation, right? The Carey Prices, the Connor Hellebucks, you know, Markstrom, Tukarask, like, there's a fit for him there. You know, and, and unfortunately, he wasn't able to to return to Vancouver. He now goes over to Calgary. He looks like a great fit there. He has held him in some games already this season. He looks like a slam dunk signing at $6 million a year. Tyler Toffoli, another player who, you know, came over to Vancouver. His first couple games, he was still figuring it out. And then it just clicked there. And he had great chemistry. And he really solidified Vancouver's top six in terms of scoring. Along with those guys, you had Troy Stetcher, you had Tanev on the back end, and and Josh Levo, and a lot of really great depth pieces. And Vancouver was really trending upwards, along with the fact that you had Elias Pedersen and Brock Besser and Bo Horvat, Quinn Hughes, Tyler Myers looked pretty good. And you had Markstrom and Demko as your one-two punch, and it just it it looked this team, you couldn't help with this team, you know, we're gonna take the next step. And then the offseason hit. And you lost a lot of these names. And there's a lot of question marks. And yeah, you know, the core pieces are still there. But if this is ever a lesson for any NHL team out there, sometimes you got to pay your secondary scoring. Even Toronto did it. I understand that they are called the core four. But you've got to find those guys who take on those five Six million dollar deals, right? And you know, and and every year there will be obstacles. But I'm just looking at Vancouver. There was no way 
to, to, to find a way to, to maybe move a guy, and I appreciate everything they did. He's a Stanley Cup champion. But guys like Jay Beagle, it's a, it's, it's a lot of cap room for, for a guy like Jay Beagle, who, again, Stanley Cup champion, integral part of the Washington Capitals, is on your fourth line. Antoine Roussel. Was it three and a half million? Toronto gave you the blueprint. You cannot afford three and a half, three, three and a half, four million dollar players on your third and fourth lines. You just can't. That money needs to go to the top. If you're going to have players like Elias Patterson and Brock Besser and JT Miller, and I know that they they bought out Louis Erickson this past year, and you can only you can only afford so many buyouts. But you got to question some of the moves. Send guys down. Put them on waivers. Alexander Edler isn't even in your top six. Isn't even in your top four in terms of defensemen. You know, that money. What I'm trying to say here is there could have been a way to allocate that money to keep at least Tyler Toffoli. You've got Nils Hollander, or Hoglander, sorry, on your team. A guy who could have easily filled in on that third line role, right? You've broken up Pedersen, Besser, and Miller for now. You've got Bo Horvat with Besser and Miller. You've got Tanner Pearson with Pedersen. And wouldn't Tyler Toffoli look great there? Wouldn't Tanev paired with Hughes look great? Schmidt and Myers on your second pair. And instead of Alexander Edler, you have Jordy Ben. And then Troy Stetcher, you remember him? I get Edler's the vet, and maybe there were complications in terms of not being able to 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 buy players out or to to move them around or put them on waivers, whatever the case may be. But there wasn't a trade out there. You were part of one of those trade dump offs. That's how you got JT Miller in the first place. From the Tampa Bay Lightning. You gave up a first round pick. There's no way, shape, or form possible. You couldn't have shipped a guy like, again, and and, and this is not me discrediting Alexander Edler in any way. But cap casualties happen. Look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. They put Tyler Johnson on waivers. He was a part of their Stanley Stanley Cup run when Steven Stamkos was hurt. But cap restrictions force you to do things that you probably don't want to do. There wasn't a way you couldn't have maybe put a waiver in or, or, or gotten a team to maybe go after a Jay Beagle or an Antoine Roussel. How many guys were sitting on the market who signed for cheap? I'm pretty sure Mike Hoffman is making just as much money or if not only $500,000 more than Antoine Roussel and Jay Beagle. Like, how great would he have been? Tanner Pearson now drops to your third line? I understand that depth is important. Depth is a big deal. And you've also got to think, you know, bring into consideration the Seattle expansion happening. But when you look back on this past offseason, you've got to pay, you've got to pay your top six forwards. You've got to at least alleviate that a little bit. But you can't afford three, four million dollar third and fourth line players. If you're going to pay guys like Quinn Hughes and Pedersen and Bo Horvat and Brock Besser and JT Miller, 
you know, this isn't a Toronto Maple Leaf situation where you have three guys making $10-plus million. $11-plus million, actually. It's just very confusing. You know? You had an opportunity to sell high on Thatcher Demko, a team looking for a goaltender. You didn't have to bring in Brayden Holpe at $4 million. Right? You could have you could have made a move for Demko, signed a, a Thomas Grice or or another goaltender, like a Craig Anderson as a backup role for a million dollars. I it, it's easy now going over all of those options after seeing how everything transpired. But the lesson learned here is sometimes you gotta pay those guys because of how important they are to the dynamic of your team. I don't think Troy Stetcher's making a whole lot of money over there in Detroit. And Troy Stetcher would be a nice fill-in guy to still sit on your bottom pair with a Jordy Ben having Alexander no longer there or even having Edler there and move and and not having Jordy Ben on your roster. Tanev there would have been nice. You know, you can play the what-ifs game or the should-haves or the could-haves that they could have done. But at the end of the day, you live and learn through the mistakes that you've made. And unfortunately for Vancouver, they're going to look back on this past offseason as one that they made a couple of mistakes on and maybe should have paid a couple guys that they just didn't. I, you can find the room to do it. There's always a way to do it. I mean, people complain all the time about the Toronto Maple Leafs and how they can always afford these guys, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And how were they paying Vasilevsky and Hedman and Stamkos and Kucherov and points and it, like the list just goes on and they find a way to do it. You've got to find a way to do it. But I'm sure you're going to be hearing a lot more in terms of me talking about the Vancouver Canucks. But uh, yeah, very exciting stuff. Uh, we got to get to some more COVID-19 restrictions, unfortunately, before we move on to our next story. Uh, the latest team that it has hit is the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, their games have been suspended up through until the 11th of February due to the protocols. Um, the NHL made the announcement on Thursday for their games. Two Colorado players are currently on the NHL's COVID-19 list. Tyson Yost and Captain Gabriel Landeskog. So also, too, just a reminder, being placed on the COVID-19 list doesn't necessarily indicate a positive test, but it is more of a precautionary measure. They could have come into contact with someone who might have had it. Um, as of right now, the Avalanche schedule through the 11th, they had two games versus the St. Louis Blues and two against Arizona. So four games in total that they're going to be missing out on. There have been no makeup dates announced. But uh, the Blues and Coyotes have rearranged their upcoming schedules already. They're actually going to be playing each other on February 6th and February 8th while the Av- Avalanche are uh, sidelined. Avalanche off to a pretty solid start, 7-3-1. and one. Uh, They just took on the Minnesota Wild in... Uh, in a two-game series there. Uh, Other teams, notably right now, who have dealt with outbreaks this season now include the Carolina Hurricanes, Dallas Stars, Vegas Golden Knights, the New Jersey Devils, and now the Colorado Avalanche, not to mention all the teams that they would have been playing. So very, very... uh, it's it's just, yeah, it's the NHL is going to have to start thinking and looking around and just making sure that uh, 
that they're, they're they're doing everything that they possibly can to make sure that they are they are thinking about the player's health and the player's safety and that all of that is coming first and that they're doing everything in their power to ensure the safety of uh, of their players in the National Hockey League. So it'll be very interesting to see what the NHL does moving forward. But just uh, some more updates involving COVID. I know you hate hearing talking about COVID-19, but we got to we got to keep you in the loop with everything that is going on because. I don't know, you might not be looking at the schedule, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, man, I haven't seen Colorado play in a little bit. And then you look, and they've been off for four games. So February 11th is when uh, is when Colorado is issued to come back. Minnesota, also another team getting affected by uh, the COVID outbreaks. Uh, I want to move on to a story here involving the uh, the Calgary Flames and Sam Bennett. I believe I talked about it on last episode of the podcast, and I said it's a, um, it's a trend that's happening around the league, along with Victor Mete. But the uh, the Sam Bennett, the uh, the rumor mill, is starting to heat up a little bit more as he was a healthy scratch last night against the Winnipeg Jets with all of the trade rumors swirling around the NHL. Uh, it was this past Saturday that Bennett was seeking a trade, a request that from his agent, Darren Ferris, reportedly blindsided the Flames, who uh, said the forward hadn't asked for a move up until that point. Uh, this was from Darren Ferris, who uh, said talked about Brad Treliving, uh, the GM of the Flames, saying everything that's going to happen in terms of where the speculation is going, uh, we are figuring out with Darren Ferris. Uh, Bennett had, you know, it's it's been tough for Bennett because he's a fourth overall pick. He just really have he hasn't reached those expectations back in 2014 when he was selected fourth overall. So he had career highs and goals and points with 36 and 18 in his rookie year. So far this year, he has had zero goals and one assist, averaging over 13 minutes a game in nine games so far and only 24 years of age. Now, this is where I thought his underlying numbers, his analytics would have come up because if you remember in the postseason last year, in 10 games, he had five goals and three assists. So come postseason, he has brought it. Like, it is definitely there. But the problem is, is in order to play like that in the postseason, you've got to get to the postseason. And you've got to be playing your way onto that roster. And so far, Bennett has been doing so. But his underlying numbers haven't been great. His expected goal share this year, which means uh, goals when he's on the ice, are is at under 50%. So to be anywhere in a positive note on this metric, you need to be over 50%. He is at 44.2. The average for both uh, is around, I believe it's at that 50 or 51% mark. And, and if you're around that mark or higher, you know, you're in a positive note, but being at 44% is very low. And also the shot attempt share at 46.7%. So uh, those are, that, that number basically could describes uh, you being on the ice for shots for and shots against. So that number, that, that shot attempt share at 46.7% means that when he's on the ice, his team is giving up more shots on net than they are generating, which is not good. It's not the best thing in the world. If you're on the ice and your team is not generating offense, if you're not getting pucks on net, if you're not creating scoring chances and you're giving them up in the process, not a very good stat. On top of it, they're both career worse this year. So he's not doing himself or the Flames any favors by not playing up to that, you know, that standard that he that he set last postseason, where again in, in 10 games, he had five goals and three assists. Those are very good numbers, let alone in the postseason. So It'll be very interesting. There have been rumors about teams possibly you know, seeking interest in him. Uh, some teams, including the Toronto Maple Leafs. I kind of wrote down a list of some teams that might make sense. So a couple things I took into consideration before creating this list. Uh, with this right now, I'm trying to think of teams who have players who are in similar situations who could be dealt. 
but also teams that are in division, specifically because if you trade outside of the division, Canada and U.S., you have to quarantine, right? We saw that with the Jets and with the Blue Jackets, with Line A and, and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Like, Line A played his second game last night. He scored his first goal with Columbus. It's all great. Pierre-Luc Dubois, he had to play for Winnipeg, so... So the teams I've conducted here, and by the way, too, Sam Bennett carries a caplet hit one year left at $2.55 million. Teams I wrote down include, don't ask me why, but the Toronto Maple Leafs are one of them. Toronto's got about a million or just under a million dollars in cap space right now. Two reasons. One, Toronto has a plethora of forward debt that they could easily move over to Calgary and, and, and plot into their roster. Toronto also has a couple defensemen who are kind of on the brink right now about, you know, not playing out the season in Toronto. And I think there's a move there. I think a, a guy like uh, like Pierre Engvall, who signed a, a two-year $1.1 or $1.05 million contract, and a guy like Travis Dermott. You know, th- those two pieces could be shipped over in exchange for Bennett and maybe like a third or fourth round pick. I'm just spitballing here. These are just kind of random things, but... You know, the fit makes sense, and you could easily send a forward and defenseman who could slot into Calgary's lineup tomorrow and make an impact on the roster. And then you give a guy like Bennett an opportunity to come into Toronto, play on that fourth line, play that gritty style, and get a chance to play with a guy like Wayne Simmons or Jason Spezza or anything like that and really, you know, learn from guys like that and also be around a young core like an Austin Matthews and a Mitch Marner and a William Nylander and give him that chance. Uh, another team I wrote down, funny enough, Vancouver. You know, Vancouver would be a team that, that would make a lot of sense. And I'll tell you why. The first reason, we've already talked about it. Vancouver right now is struggling to find that 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 secondary and tertiary scoring, you know, from guys who make a little bit less money. And a guy like Sam Bennett, who I understand, too, is still at $2.55 million. But you could put him in on your third, even fourth line. He could he could play around there, right? It's another depth guy who could broaden. He can slot up into your top six. God forbid if Nicholas Hoglander isn't necessarily carrying the load as a top six forward. You've got other depth players you can send over in return who who do carry a little bit of a cap hit, but the, the exchange could make sense. Maybe a guy like Jay Beagle. Maybe a guy like Antoine Roussel. Maybe a guy like Jake Furtanen who necessarily hasn't fit the way you've wanted him to, similarly to the way Bennett hasn't necessarily fit in Calgary. I think that a Furtanen for Bennett deal straight up would make a lot of sense. Uh, I think Bennett could easily start filling in and, and replace Antoine Roussel on the third line and play with Brandon Sutter and Adam, and Adam Gaudet. And now all of a sudden you can have Roussel and Beagle kind of on your fourth line and you can figure all that out. Maybe you can move a guy in and around that area. But it kind of more solidifies. And let's just say, like I said, uh, Niels Hoglander, if he doesn't necessarily straighten up on your second line, you could move Tanner Pearson over and put Bennett up on the on the second line to see if he could generate some offense there with Elias Pettersson. Like you, I'm just I'm spitballing ideas here for the fun of it. And I think actually Vancouver wouldn't be the uh, worst fit. Now, I, I could go through and list a bunch of other teams, but you know, f- for this point, y'all, I kind of stick to those two. I kind of wrote down some others. There, there aren't any necessarily like necessary reasons as to why I would pick them, but you know, I don't know why. I just feel like him and Philadelphia makes sense, but I'm looking at the roster and I, I don't know where he slots in. Their fourth line consists of like Michael Roffle and they have Joel Farabee and JVR on their third line. Nolan Patrick, Konecki, and Limbaum are on their second. Like I think. I think Philly's probably fine, but for some reason, I feel like Philadelphia would make a lot of sense. But, you know, rumors are still swirling right now, and and we'll see kind of how things end up with him. But very interesting. He is a healthy scratch, so I expect a move, possibly even coming this weekend for Bennett. And don't be surprised if it's a team in the Canadian division, specifically because I know 
that you're going to be playing them a lot more, and there's always that risk. But a team that's normally in like the eastern part, so a team like Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, could make a lot of sense versus a team like Vancouver or Winnipeg, anything like that. But also, too, you have to remember the, the two-week quarantine. You know, I don't think Calgary wants to afford whatever they're getting back to wait 10 days, 11 days for their player to clear quarantine from the United States. So don't be surprised if it's a Canadian team, but uh, just super interesting stuff to, to watch moving forward involving Sam Bennett. Now I'll get to some milestones in a little bit, but I do want to cover this story that I talked about a little bit on Tuesday's episode of the podcast, and I went on with the boys from the Face Off Hockey podcast to talk about it in more depth. Uh, the Tony D'Angelo situation. So one, uh, I was I for some reason had him confused with Dylan DeMello, who was a member of the Ottawa Senators. Tony D'Angelo was never a member of the Ottawa Senators. So Tony D'Angelo, I believe, was drafted by the Tampa Bay Lightning. But he had a breakout season last year with the New York Rangers. He signed a two-year extension worth like $4.8 million. Uh, But unfortunately, he was put on waivers and general manager uh, Jeff Gordon came out and said that he will he has played his last game as New York Rangers. So he is no longer playing for the team. Uh, There were some rumors and speculations about him getting into some altercations with goaltender Alexander Gorgiev, as well as rookie rookie Keandre Miller. Sorry, Uh, uh, I don't know if these are necessarily true or whether these are the reasons as to why he is, um, you know, put on waivers right now and is not playing with the Rangers anymore. But I talked with the guys from the Face Off Hockey podcast, and you should go listen to that episode too because it, they get into really great detail about it. But the altercation with goaltender Alexander Gorgiev came after a loss, I believe. And the issue, you know, the one that, you know, it's, it's not really being talked about a ton, but apparently there was a, a confrontation with Keandre Miller, a rookie defenseman. So uh, when he scored his first goal in the NHL, I believe it was a prank pulled by D'Angelo in terms of, of, of hiding it from him and not giving him, you know, his first goal puck. And that created a little bit of controversy and, you know, he's he's young still, right? Miller, uh, D'Angelo, sorry, is, is, is still a very young guy. He's only, I believe he's only 25 years of age. And there were rumors also around about the Rangers uh, looking to eat cap. So some of the $4.8 million in order to move him. But if this is a locker room issue, you know, who's going to take this on? You know, who is going to, you know, who's who's going to bring that into your organization? On top of that, apparently he's very vocal on social media in terms of Twitter and his political stances on things. And I said this on on the other show. And, and by all means, you're you're open to your own opinion. Freedom of speech is an absolute you you absolutely have, and you can say what you will. But you've just got to remember that what you say and how it affects others. And if it starts affecting others and a negative impact, specifically a team who's supposed to be a tight knit group. You know, you've got to learn when to pull it back, when you need to stop, when you need to understand that what you said is is hurting others around you. But that story continues on, and we'll hear more of it. But with the rumors coming out that the Rangers are ready to eat cap, apparently the, the, the conversations have been going up, and apparently they have been getting inquiries. This is from Elliot Friedman and uh, and Darren Drager. Both have been saying that because the, the Rangers have expressed that they are willing to eat cap in order to move this player, uh, it could be a possibility where he could be traded in the next 24 to 48 hours. So, again, look for this weekend. Possibility of some movement involving uh, Sam Bennett's. I doubt Victor Mete gets moved, but the possibility of Tony D'Angelo and Sam Bennett getting moved are very real. Now, last night, too, we talked about milestones, and last night was the first of many 
Patrick Laine. Patrick Laine scoring his first goal as a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and it was kind of like an all-individual effort. He had the puck. He was between, like, three players, um, took the puck, took off his skate, spun it on his backhand, and, uh, and put it past, I believe they were playing the Dallas Stars, and they, in fact, they beat them 4-3 yesterday as well. Dallas looking like a very good team, but Dallas, I think, lost, lost back-to-back games. Uh, but yeah, line, it was fun because both Patrick Laine and Jack Roslovic scored in this game. Patrick Laine playing over 17 and a half minutes. Roslovic almost playing 15 minutes. And again, this is why I said this trade was not going to be bad for Columbus. Like, you're getting rid of a guy in Pierre-Luc Dubois who didn't want to play for your team. And again, there's rumors and jokes going around about Patrick Laine, you know, not looking like he's thrilled to be in Columbus. But you got Laine and Rosovic. You got two players for the price of one. That's the way I look at it. As as good as Dubois as a, as a as a complete player, you've got a potentially 40-goal score on your hands. Hopefully you can lock him up. And you got Jack Roslovic, who could blossom into a top nine, possibly even top six forward. So I love I love the move for them. I think it's super fantastic that they both were able to score yesterday and uh and, and good on them. Got to give a couple shout-outs here. One to Jonathan Huberto for netting his first career NHL hat-trick, which is just mind-blowing to believe. He had a five-point game, but not to be outdone by the five-point game provided by Philip Forsberg, including the overtime winner in Nashville's comeback victory over the Florida Panthers. Uh, Huge milestones for both of those guys as well. Uh, Tim Stutzla, his first three-point game as a member of the Ottawa Senators. They beat the Montreal Canadiens. Canadian snapping a nine-game skid. Um, just fantastic stuff. Watching Chicago go out and, and take down the Carolina Hurricanes. A lot of people had Chicago kind of written off. Uh, Alex Dabrinkit coming back into the lineup. He had a couple of goals in this one. Patrick Kane had four points. Uh, and, and this goaltender, uh, Kevin Lankinen, really just, he's, he started eight games. He's 4-1-3 and three with a 2.32 goals against and a 9.28 save percentage. His his expected goals against save percentage, so high, you know, high scoring chances that should be goals, but he has stopped. Uh, he is really giving this team an opportunity. He's making some very big and timely saves at some big times. I know he gave up four, but Chicago, a team that everyone had just written off and they had lost this and lost that, you know, they're only one spot back of a playoff spot. They sit with four wins, four losses, and four overtime and a shootout losses. Uh, so, I mean, you can't write any team out. Um, Based on based on like some of the news headlines that go around, so good on them. Uh, the Florida Panthers, even though they lost yesterday and dropped a heartbreaking game, they were up like five three with like two minutes left, and Nashville came back, stormed back to win. Uh, Florida has yet to lose in regulation, which is just wild to me. So uh, so good on them. And you know, saying all these news and saying all these 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 game recaps and whatnot, you know. I want to take a look at the standings right now in the National Hockey League. And I want to go over some teams that have been surprising and then some teams that have unfortunately been disappointing. And we'll start with the teams that have been pleasantly surprising. And I'm going to mention one that, you know, didn't think they would be at least at this point or at least somewhat over 500, actually only even playing nine games. The New Jersey Devils, sitting at 4-3-2 right now, have kind of surprised me a little bit. And when I say that, New Jersey right now is just one point out of the final playoff position in the NHL East Division with a game in hand on the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
They're tied in points with the Rangers and the Buffalo Sabres as well, but they've played one fewer game. And with everything going on, Corey Crawford retiring, right? The uncertainty of, of, of guys coming to the roster. They tried to make a couple moves. They traded for Andreas Janssen. They've still got a lot of their younger players. They also, I believe they were involved in some COVID stuff. Uh, P.K. Subban, you know, whether he was going to be, it was he was going to decline again. And they've been surprisingly good. They've gotten a good committee goaltending from Mackenzie Blackwood and Scott Wedgwood. You know, Nico Heischer is on IR right now. Jack Hughes is, like, there's a lot of guys on day-to-day because of the COVID-19 break, so I'm trying to ignore that right now. But it's it's kind of surprising seeing the Devils, who a team you thought would have been a little bit lower in the standings, ahead of teams like the New York Islanders, the Sabres, the Rangers, the Calgary Flames, Arizona Coyotes. They're ahead of a few teams you didn't think they would be ahead of. But I just, I good for New Jersey, despite everything going on. I know COVID-19 has been difficult, but they're only one point back of the Penguins. So um, I don't know if they keep it up, but so far, almost 10 games in, they've been uh, pleasantly surprising. Uh, another team too, and I know I mentioned them earlier, and this is a team that I didn't think was really going to have that great of a year. And yes, right now they sit seventh in their division, but they are in a three-way tie for fifth. It is the Buffalo Sabres. And reason being, I thought they I thought they, they had made some moves in the offseason that I didn't necessarily agree with. Yes, I like the, you know, they brought in Taylor Hall. They brought in Eric Stahl. They traded for him. But I, I feel like they didn't address their goaltending or their defense all that much. And their goaltending actually hasn't been awful. Linus Allmark has been okay so far this season. Uh, 2.55 goals against and a 914 save percentage. Uh, you know, he's really done a nice job. He's kept them in some games right now. Dylan Cousins has had a chance to play with this team. He's got three points in nine games. Not crazy, but he's doing what he's doing. Jack Eichel, though he's not scoring, has 11 points in 10 games. Uh, Taylor Hall, who was placed on the COVID-19 list, has a goal and eight assists for uh, nine points in 10 games as well. But this team, again, with all the other struggles, with the uncertainty of Jeff Skinner, who you're paying a ton of money to, doesn't have a goal this year, only has one assist. Defensively, it it looks like Rasmus Ristolainen has has actually been okay. He's got six points in 10 games, and I know COVID-19 has has taken their toll on this team. But, you know, like there's – they've done better than what I thought they were going to do. Let's just say that. They've done uh, surprisingly a little bit better than my expectations. Uh, the next team that, you know, they've been off to a, an incredible start and have an opportunity to win the division, but the uh, Montreal Canadiens, you know, Montreal has been something else. Uh, every move it looks like they made has been a home run. Tyler Toffoli leads the NHL in goals. Josh Anderson has seven. Nick Suzuki has been a monster. Brennan Gallagher still there. It looks like the addition of Jake Allen has really done uh, paid dividends for for Carey Price and for them. Uh, though Carey Price's save percentage is under 900 right now, Jake Allen has been great. A 930 save percentage and a 2.02 goals against average in a four starts. He's given up just eight goals in that time, and he's 3-1 and one with that record. Uh, you know, Jonathan Duran's been playing well. He's got nine points in 11 games. It's just fun to see Montreal back into the swing of things and back looking like a competitive team. And I mentioned this, you know, earlier, I believe my show, also the rookie Alexander Romanoff. He has looked really nice. He is impressed very well down in Montreal. But there's no big, like, superstar name on this team outside of 
you know, Carey Price. Also, shout out to Jeff Petrie. 13 points in 11 games. Five goals, eight assists. What a monster. Um, But no real superstar on the team. Right? There's no Austin Matthews. There's no Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel. You know, it's by committee. You know, it's Thomas Tatar. It's Tyler Toffoli. It's Nick Suzuki. It's Brendan Gallagher. It's it's Josh Anderson. It's a committee. It's a, it's a team. Right? Josh Anderson, nine points. I mentioned Suzuki earlier. Duran had nine. Gallagher's been great. You know, it's 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 when when you have it's like those memes or those um like analogies that people use of like instead of a dictator like standing on top of his pedestal and have ever like marching forward and telling everyone to do it. They're all like teaming up together and pulling the rope at the same time. It's not four guys doing it all themselves and everyone else just kind of standing around. And Montreal has done a great job of it. And so far their numbers reflected. They're one of the best analytical teams in hockey. They're seven, two and two through 11 games. They sit one point back of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And they're comfortably in that second spot in a in a playoff position. They're only one point up on Winnipeg, but they they look great. And I, I gotta give them credit. Even the Corey Perry move has has worked out really well. I never didn't like the Corey Perry move. I just thought it was kind of strange how there was more discussion about the Corey Perry signing than there was the Tyler Toffoli signing. And lo and behold, Tyler Toffoli's leading the NHL in goals right now. And then the last team I want to give a shout out to is the is the Winnipeg Jets. You know, the Jets have been really great this year despite the the Patrick Laine thing and the Jack Rovosovic sitting out and you know they're they're unknown on the defensive end it has been uh it's been a great year Nikolai Ehlers has really stepped up he's got six goals and 12 points in 11 games Mark Shifley doing what Mark Shifley does but it's guys like Andrew Kopp right Andrew Kopp four goals six assists for 10 points in 11 games so far he's been great Cole Perfetti's been skating with the team. Paul Stasny, the addition at center, he's been solid so far. He's got six points in 11 games, not crazy. There was criticism involving Nikolai, or involving Blake Wheeler, sorry, about him being on the third line at times and being, uh, you know, on the ice for the most even strength goals so far in the National Hockey League. He's got 11 points, 11 games. Got three goals and, and eight assists. Uh, he's been fine uh, defensively. Nick, uh, Josh Morrissey. Continue to look like a stud defenseman. Neil Pionk kind of continues on. He's got eight assists in 11 games so far. And then, you know, look at goaltending. Connor Hellebuck. Doing Connor Hellebuck things. Numbers aren't eye-popping, but a 2-4-8 goals against and a 9-13 save percentage. He started in eight of the 11 games so far for Winnipeg. So despite the condensed season, despite the condensed schedule, Winnipeg is riding her starter and that Vesna candidate. Um, and, and and that's the smart thing to do. And so far in 11 games, off to a 7-3-1 start, just two points behind Toronto, one point behind the uh, Montreal Canadiens. And let's get to some teams now who have been a little bit disappointing to start the season but still have a chance to turn it around. The first team I'm going to mention is a team that I think we're all kind of thinking about, the New York Islanders. The Islanders who made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals last year against Tampa Bay Lightning. 3-4-2 and two to start the season. They are dead last in the NHL's East Division. Now, it could be a mix of goaltending, uh, they are 29th in goal scoring right now. Their power plays in the bottom third of the league. Their shooting percentage is almost dead last. While they're one of the better face-off teams, you know, this was a team that very similarly to the Montreal Canadiens is a team by committee. And yes, they've got their one star in Matthew Barzell. He has 10 points in nine games so far. But right now, this team is just not getting it done. Eberle is five points in nine games. 
Jean-Gabriel Pajot, who came over, who's son extension, only has one goal through the first nine games of the season right now, too. But I want to look at the goaltending stats. And this Russian goaltender, Ilya Sorokin, who is supposed to be this KHL dominant goalie, coming over and playing in the show. Three starts, 0-2-1, 3-6-5 goals against average, an 8-7-1 save percentage. He's almost given up four goals a game. Now, mind you, the team in front of him hasn't, hasn't been scoring. But like I mentioned with this team, 29th so far in goals at just over two, 2.1 goals per uh, per game. You got to score. You got to score in this league. Goaltending can help you out at times, but the league now is starting to see a lot higher scoring. Take it last night's games. 6-5 Nashville, uh, Florida. 6-4 Blackhawks, Hurricanes. 4-3 Coyotes, Blues. 7-3 Toronto, Vancouver. Four goals for the Rangers. Four goals for Columbus. Four goals for Arizona. Four goals for Winnipeg. You got to score. It's looking like now every team that won last night outside of the Ottawa Senators had at least four goals last night. Ottawa beat Montreal 3-2 last night. But of all the games played, that was the only game where the winning team didn't have at least four goals. Two goals a game isn't going to cut it. Sometimes three isn't going to cut it. Dallas scored three, lost. Carolina scored four, lost. St. Louis scored three, lost. Vancouver scored three, lost. Fleur scored five and lost last night. Goaltending helps, and this is a defensively structured team. I still think they're one of the best coach teams in hockey. But you got to score some goals. And right now, the Islanders aren't doing that. And they're paying the price right now, dead last in their division. Uh, and two other teams I want to touch on, and we've already mentioned them earlier, Vancouver. Vancouver's on a bit of a slide right now. They're fifth in the division, and they're still tied with Edmonton for a, for a slot in that fourth and final spot in terms of a playoff position. But they've played two more games than the Oilers, four more games than Calgary, who are just three points back, sitting at six and eight right now. They're on a three-game losing streak. They're giving up goals left, right, and center. This team cannot keep the puck out of net. Defensively, goals against, almost dead last at 3.93. You're almost giving up four goals a game. And like I mentioned, every team last night outside of Ottawa, teams that won, scored four more goals. When you're giving up that number already to begin with, you're not going to win a lot of games. They're giving up almost the most shots on goal per game. Actually, the most shots on goal per game. Now again, they're top 15 in scoring at 3.36. But defensively and goaltending, this team needs to figure it out. Goaltending right now, Thatcher Demko has not continued what he did last year in the postseason. Under 900 save percentage and 3.81 goals against per game. That doesn't get it done. Well, and they got Brayden Holpe, right? Brayden Holpe, under 900 save percentage, 3.64 goals against average. Now listen, my junior numbers were god-awful, but I'm not playing in the National Hockey League. And In the National Hockey League, if you're giving up almost four goals a game or over three and a half goals per game, your team is not going to have a good opportunity to win. So that needs to happen, and and there needs to be some secondary scoring with this team. You know, Bo, Bo Horvat, been great, 12 points in 14 games. Brock Besser, eight goals, five assists in 14 games. You know what you're getting out of guys like Elias Pedersen. He's got four goals and five assists. He's only got nine points, actually, in 14 games, uh, being kind of one of your top guys. JT Miller, right, 13 points in 11 games. All those guys are there. But it's the it's the guys like Jay Beagle, who you're paying a lot of money to, 
who have one goal this year. It's Alex Gaudet, it's Adam Gaudet, sorry, with two goals this year. I'm looking around. Tanner Pearson. I mean, he's got four goals, and that's solid secondary scoring. But you need, even Brandon Sutter's got four goals this year. So now that I'm looking, secondary scoring is there. But you got to keep the puck out of your net. You've got to keep the puck out of your net. And Quinn Hughes, another um, phenomenal player, 14 po- 15 points in 14 games. But if I look at his stats, and I know, take what you will with plus minus, but he's minus 10. Take what you will, defensive scenarios, power plays, coming on the ice right as the team scores, I get all that. But when you're on the ice for 10 more even strength goals than you're on for, it's not good. Don't don't look too analytically into that stat. But what minus 10 tells me is you're on the ice for 10 more goals against at 5-on-5 than you are goals for. And that can happen. And Quinn Hughes generates a lot of offense. 15 points in 14 games. The guy guy is involved in a lot of offense. So to be on the ice for for 10 more goals against at 5-on-5 than 4... It's got to be better from him. It's got to be better from Vancouver as well. And then the final team here, the Calgary Flames. And the reason I say the Calgary Flames, they've only played 10 games, right? They got to catch up with all the teams around them. They're four, five, and one right now, nine points. Calgary so far was the team that took a lot of the good parts from the Vancouver Canucks. You've got your goaltender, Jake Markstrom, who's been stellar. 237 goals against, 920 save percentage. You moved Elias Lindholm to center, so you've evened out now your top six. You've got Lindholm and Kachuk on one line. You've got Monaghan, Goudreau on another. Dylan Dubay stepping in. Michael Backlund's your third-line center. Right, you should be a deeper team. Defensively, yes, you lost a guy like TJ Brody, but you brought in a Chris Tanev to kind of fill into that to that role. You've still got Noah Hannafin. You've still got Mark Giordano. You've still got Rasmus Anderson. I'm trying to think of what the problem is here for the Calgary Flames. And I look at their team stats. They're not scoring any goals. There's guys with points. Goudreau's getting points. Monaghan's getting points. Lindholm has over a point per game. But no one's scoring for this team. They're 24th in the NHL in scoring. You've got to be better than 24th. When you are that deep of a team, when you've got Johnny Goudreau, when you've got Sean Monaghan, when you've got Elias Lindholm, when you've got all these pieces, Matthew Kachuk, you've got to be better than 24th overall in the NHL in terms of goals. That's all I'm saying. And Calgary right now took a lot of... I thought they had a great offseason. TJ Brody was gone, I know. Sam Bennett's not playing. But you brought in... You got your goaltender in Jake Markstrom. That was that was Calgary's big issue last year. They couldn't keep the puck out of their net. Right? I know Dave Redditch was there. I believe Cam Talbot was the other guy for Calgary last year. And they were fine. But they couldn't figure out who to go with in the playoffs. I believe Cam Talbot was the starter for them who's actually been okay in uh, in Minnesota right now. But you brought in your bona fide, legitimate number one goaltender, a top five, if you don't believe it, top 10 goaltender. I just, I told you his stats earlier. But you don't got to worry about that anymore. Goaltending's taken care of. Go generate offense. Go score goals. What did I mention earlier? Every team outside of the Ottawa Senators last night that played, who won, scored at least four goals last night. That's the number I think you need to hit. Four goals gives you the optimal opportunity to win. And then after that, as long as you don't give up five, you're good. And your goaltender Markstrom's given up 2.3. 
So you need to get that number up in terms of goal scoring. And the firepower is there. Lindholm is a 30-goal scorer. Johnny Gaudreau is a 20-25-goal scorer. Sean Monaghan scored 30 in a season before. Matthew Kachuk has scored 20-plus goals in a season before. There's four guys right there, all capable of scoring. Dylan Dubé can come out and help out and chip in. There's all kinds of opportunity in Calgary now. Mark Giordano on the backhand can chip in with some points. Noah Hannafin is no scrub in my opinion. It's all there. You've got the goaltending. Your top four on defense, I feel, is like pretty solid. Now you've just got to go out and prove it. And I know the Canadian division is tough. The goaltending is stellar. Connor Hellebuck, Carey Price, Frederick Anderson. You know, there's a lot of good goaltenders. But you've got one of your own. So let that get into other teams' heads. Let them struggle trying to put the puck past Jacob Markstrom. Get back to simple things. Get back to putting pucks on net. I know you hear this all the time with interviews, but that doesn't mean it's not true. Shots on goal. They're in the bottom third of the league. They don't even hit 30 shots a game. You want to put that in perspective right now? Just going to go to the, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs who are first place in that division right now. Shots on goal. They're not even, they're in they're in the top half, but they average over 30 shots a goal on, on goal per game. Montreal Canadiens. 34 shots on goal per game. That's number one in the league. Winnipeg Jets, over 30 shots per game. Edmonton Oilers, 31 shots per game. Notice the theme here? You got to get to at least 30. I know 29's close, but it's not 30. Goaltending's figured out. Top four on defense is figured out. All your places are in peace. You've got a well-balanced lineup. Now it's time to put it to good use. Get back to simple things. Get back to putting the puck, you know, getting the puck on net. Cycling. Tiring the team out. Don't score the pretty goal. Score the ugly goal. You've got your elite goaltender. Not just worry about scoring yourself. Uh, but until then, you know, that's kind of, that's everything that's been going on throughout the National Hockey League right now. I'm excited for the for the plethora of games to come uh, tonight and throughout the weekends. Like I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, I'm going to be hopping on Friday nights, a program on 980 CFPL News with the voice of the London Knights, Mike Stubbs, just after 7 o'clock if you want to tune in, if you are in the listening area. If you missed it at the beginning of the podcast, I'm pleased that I'm going to be joining the hockey writers as covering the Vancouver Canucks moving forward. So I'm going to write some articles around them, cover them a little bit more closely. It's not going to show here in the podcast in terms of my bias or anything like that, but just super exciting news that I have an opportunity to branch out. Make sure you stream on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Feel free to give me a um, a recommendation a comment or a view. I know you can do it on Apple and follow me along on Instagram and Twitter at ST hockey podcast until then enjoy. Have yourselves a fantastic weekend. That's a wrap.